0: Hey folks, you know, there's only two things in this world that scare me. One is prepubescent gym rats warming up on my project in front of me. You know, pad sniffers, smell like Skittles, small hands. And the other thing that scares me, lawyers. Nothing is more of a downer to your stoke than facing legal problems. And lawyers have made the whole thing more complicated than that five to one pulley system you used to haul Uncle Phil up that five seven on his birthday. But seriously, facing legal problems and finding a lawyer to help can be pretty gnarly, but Dan Markoff is here to help. Climber, lawyer, a NormaCast fan, and partner at Atkinson Markoff, Dan has set up an email hotline to field your inquiries about any type of lawyer you might need. Family law, criminal, injury, bankruptcy, and a whole bunch of other arcane things that you never thought would happen to you right up until they did. Email climbinglawyer at gmail.com with inquiries. Dan knows this shit scares you too. Once again, that's climbinglawyer at gmail.com. All right, on to the show. We got a good Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the normal,
1: Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, yeah, yeah big place. That's, that's, a, that's nice. a big You hey, sold
0: oh, out. I'll see. So we
1: really should Look, you better get up there before you panic, so those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed family with you. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to uh, the very first live and normal cast. This is episode 34, I think. Is that right? Any fans out there? Is that what we're on? If I put it out next. I'm your host, Chris Kaluse. Uh I am the, the founder, creator, uh, sound engineer, web guy, publicist for the Cast, all those sorts of things. It's just me, and um, I want to welcome you all. Thanks for blowing off this beautiful morning to come sit inside. I think at one point on the Cast, I told people that if they skipped climbing to listen to the Cast, I would slap them in the face, so uh, we will line up and do that after the show. <laughs> Uh, but I do appreciate it, and I, and, uh, I didn't know what was going to happen when I uh, sort of talked to Julie and the rest of the crew at Five Point into doing this. Um, you know, I stole the idea from uh, my arch-nemesis, Fitz Cahal, and I actually emailed Fitz before I asked and, and said, hey, do you mind if I kind of get in on your scene? And he was, he was awesome, and even though I joke around about Fitz being my nemesis, he's actually been uh, really a great help to me, even even fielding, like, sobbing phone calls at times, so um, I, I was having some trouble with uh, getting some recognition from certain uh, climbing companies, and got really mad and called him up and left a message, and he called me back, like, 15 minutes later, and uh, I was in the shower, and I, like, ran out, and I stood cold and dripping and sobbing in my, in my bedroom while he, he talked me down and said, no, you just gotta wait, man, it's, it, people, are gonna, they love it, it's gonna be great, don't worry about it, and, and by the time I hung up I felt a lot better so anyway Fitz is going to be in here at 2.30 so if you end up not uh, if you end up wanting to like blow this whole beautiful day come back at 2.30 um, anyway I'd like to start and uh, Andrew Bishrat who's not here he, he, he can skip this part because um, he always says my intros are too long but uh, I'd like to talk just a little bit for a minute before I bring up my cast of thousands uh, about the normal cast and uh, I don't I, I've sort of you know danced around the philosophy and I've talked about it a few times in little bits and pieces but um, here we are at this live show where I have fans coming to see me Um, I've got you know my my numbers my download numbers have have really skyrocketed in the last few months as you know if you've listened I brought on some some sponsors um, you know for peanuts but still peanuts are better than nothing and uh, I've been telling people that the thing about the, the podcast was that I started it as a hobby um, I listen to podcasts, uh, I, I paint houses, so I listen to tons of podcasts, and I just kept thinking, gosh, I could do this, and um, I have the, sort of the connections with the, the community that I could get interesting people on, and I just decided, well, I might as well give it a try, and I, you know, didn't really know what was going to happen, and I still don't know what's going to happen, but the response to it has been incredible, and the fans, uh, I' like
1: I love you, Chris, <laughs>
0: Thank you <laughs> My biographer, Derek Franz
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah we it 's been great and and you know, like really interested people, and I get tons of emails and uh, inquiries about the show and all that sort of thing and it 's kind of like bowled me over in the last few months in particular um, I am. Committed to keeping it going. Uh, You know now I feel really obligated to keep it going Which is helpful because if no one was listening I'd you know I'd definitely start to just blow it off and I know I'm not the best at putting them out on time But um, I've stuck to my two shows a month, which was something I started uh, And I at first I thought it'd be a really good idea and then for a long time I thought it was a huge mistake uh, because two a month was really and is really difficult to do Uh, just with time and finding people to be on the show. But the one nice thing is that with the recognition, uh, people have started to be a lot more open to making time to help me out. In the past, it was kind of like you're doing what and this is what and who are you and, you know, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we'll do it sometime. Yeah, yes, totally, dude. I'll totally do that. And then obviously not being able to get in touch with them or, you know, but now we're getting a lot of people like the last couple, um, Jonathan Segrist and, uh, and Paige Clausen were both just awesome and they were excited and, and I'm getting a lot more of that where people are like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun or I've heard it. Um, so that's been helpful. Um, a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about with this live one is that I know I call it live and Omicast, and Anson was all mad because he, he thought it was actually going to be on the internet as we, as we speak. Live in front of a studio audience. I'm recording it, I hope. Is that right Chris yeah. okay um, it'll come out later you know I try not to edit it too much but just keep that in mind that we are not actually on the internet right now so if you have some sort of political tirade that you were planning on like getting in just in the middle of it which I've actually seen happen in this room Steve with the, the jazz saxophone player from Israel Do you remember that night yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: The night the show turned into a uh, kind of like a
0: lecture. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so yeah, if you've got something planned like that, just I'll, I'm going to edit it out anyway. So just save your breath, okay? Um, let's see what else I want to talk about. Um, I also want to you know go back and mention Five Point again. This is a, this is part of Five Point. Five Point is uh, something that's just you know taking Carbondale over and it showcased Carbondale to the world. And honestly. I don't think the Anormal cast, you know, could happen just anywhere. This town has incubated it. Um, I've had incredible support from uh, B.J. Sabara, who's here at Splitter Choss, you know, from the guys at Rock and Ice, uh, from Andrew Bisharat, um from Black Diamond, although they're not here. We're going to get to that in a second. You know, I've gotten support from elsewhere, but really, this town is, and the people here have been a, an enormous help to this thing. And honestly, if I was in some crummy town somewhere in the middle of nowhere, I don't know if I could have pulled it off. Um, so not that, yeah, some crummy town, I'll just leave it at that. There are crummier towns than Carbondale. There, are, there is good and bad, and Carbondale's good, okay? So, um, and one of the is I'm gonna mention my mostly brand new sponsors, um, Atkins and Markoff. That's kind of a funky one. I haven't actually heard any feedback from that. Um, it's a it's a law firm. I put a couple commercials on the last couple shows and I haven't heard of Pete, which is both the, me and Dan, the guy who, who's having me do that, wondered if I'd like, you know, get the classic, like, you sold out, you know, or, you know, what are you doing in bed with lawyers? Like, <laughs> Calus, you're, you know, your cold, like, hearted, black soul has made you sell out. Nothing, nobody said anything about it, so hopefully you actually heard the commercial and, and thought about it but um, he 's a fan, he is a lawyer. He thought maybe there 's some people out there that might uh, need some legal help and he wants to support the show, so he is and he 's also a climber, so Atkins and markov Black diamonds come on board uh, recently you know that 's a really perfect fit because you know i don 't want to just bring on any company uh, and I really do you know we all use their gear. I honestly believe a lot of the things they make, you know, the Camelots and things are the best thing on the market. Yeah. I'm honestly, you know, using the gear, so it's not, uh, it's not some sort of bullshit sponsor that I'm just soaking for, for some money. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, and Maxim recently come on board, you know, another uh, uh, Randy Levitt does a lot of their marketing kind of ideas and managing athletes and things, and he's been really excited about the show. So again, we've got a sponsor that came to me and said we love what you're doing um, and we want to do something to support you, not the other way around which is also really exciting. And then finally uh, Jeff Hollenbaugh at Defiant Bean who's been on board from the beginning he's going to uh, he's got got a little part in the show tonight. Oh, someone's calling on the phone
1: It's for you, Chris (laughs) Okay, cool Is there
0: any questions? Okay, good that's good. No one's going to heckle me quite yet. Alright, I want to bring up my first guest. We're going to do a little panel. We're going to bring up a few guests as we go along. Um, I've got some really interesting people. A lot of return folks. And uh, I'm going to bring up our first guest which is Jonathan Thisinga. You may remember him from episode 25. Uh, on tour with JT in the bag. JT. Oh, and frankly, we've got some things planned that just flat out might not work, so. Uh, <laughs> which, when I put it on the internet, I'll just, you know, I'll just make it go away. But, uh, you know, when you go to live, uh, you know, studio broadcasts of like the David Letterman show, what you don't realize is there's all this junk that goes on in between that you never see. So some of that may go on today. How's it going, buddy? Uh, good, yeah, no. Was
2: I, as I just warned Vishrat, I may vomit on stage. <laughs> roughly, I don't know. Uh, rough night, rougher morning.
0: But the, yeah, the fun thing about last night is one by one, I saw basically every guest that I've asked to come up here, like. You know, out drinking heavily and just partying. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. This is going to be good tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Like, oh, there's another
3: one.
4: Hey, see you
1: tomorrow. <laughs>
0: All right, so let's start with uh, with you know connecting it to the episode you did with the, the travel. You recently went on uh, maybe one of your most out there trips with uh, with yeah. Brittany and uh, our other other friend of the show, Andy Burr.
2: Yep, we uh, Brittany and I and Burr went out to Socotra Island on Yemen. Um, and Yemen uh, as most of us know is a fairly messed up country right now um, and this was our uh, we went there climbing and it was a super awesome climbing adventure super successful in that regard um, but this was our sixth I think Muslim country that Brittany and I have been to and this was definitely you know uh, the, I've always been super welcomed and, it, and it was, it's never been an issue to be an American uh, Even when George Bush was fucking things up, we were still able to travel and not get too harassed. But now being in Yemen was really, really spooky because, um, you know, it's a daily counterterrorism thing going on there with drone strikes and stuff. Like, that's the real deal there. Uh, So it was the first time that we were, like, head on a swivel, like, had to keep moving around town, that kind of stuff. It was definitely... It's an active war zone, so it was heavy.
0: Well, in addition, you, you failed to mention that, isn't it really off the coast of Somalia? It's closer to Somalia than uh, than uh, Yemen, yeah.
2: And so we, we uh, you know, we had a good, safe trip overall, but we did have a few uh, incidences of guns, and uh, we got shot at one time, which wasn't that cool, um, and that it was first fault. Um, <laughs> So, Can
0: you elaborate on that story? Yeah, we,
2: uh, we were on a boat uh, <laughs> near Somalia, and uh, we um, the, our boat driver caught a fish, and so when we got back to port, he sold it to somebody on a boat. And Burr, and, uh, Burr's like the hardest working photographer in the business. The dude man never puts his camera down, which is good and bad, because he never puts his camera down. And... In Yemen, or in most Muslim countries, you got to be really careful about taking photographs. It's just a lot of cultural rules you got to follow, and Bird doesn't really follow us very well sometimes. And so he's taking pictures like crazy, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, this boat comes towards us and starts firing its like assault rifle at us in the air, and, and I'm just like, I remember hearing the gunshot and seeing the powder come out of the out of the the. the end of the rifle, and being like, down, 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 you know, and, and burst just like, whoa, what is that, I'm like, it's a gun, get the fuck down, <laughs> and he's like, kind of like, you know, and so we're like, we're hunched down in the boat, like, you know, and this, and uh, the other boat divers start yelling at the guy with the gun to, you know, to get out of here, and that kind of thing, and. And Burr's kind of like trying to like get on are like, Put the fucking, fucking camera down, Burr. He's like, they couldn't see me. I was like, that's why they were shooting. Don't put the camera down. So that wasn't, uh, that wasn't awesome. Did, I mean, did, did
0: they come in board? I mean, did they come in to cost the
2: guys? sort of like, you know, like boat to boat type of thing. And luckily the other people, and there were other like, you know, these boats are like little fishermen boats. Right. There's other fishermen in the bay and they all kind of came together to get this guy to go away. And who was he? He was uh, an off, it turns out he was an off duty Yemeni military guy. Okay. And uh, they, they chew what's called kat there. Sure. And it's like a narcotic leaf. And they like, it's like this huge wad of leaf in their mouth. And they chew it for like five hours during the day. Because um, it's so hot that they all just take it down and chew this stuff. And so he was super hopped up on Cot and making some poor choices. Uh-huh. So. As far as you were... Yeah. We weren't, we weren't super psyched on that. But it was, it was uh, for the most part, it was super fun and safe, but that was definitely the, the thing, uh, was it was really strange to be an American there um, because of all the stuff that America's doing there with the drone strikes and that kind of stuff. Um, and it really is a daily thing there that... Whether it's uh, a terrorist thing uh, or it's a U.S. terrorist thing, it's it's pretty heavy there. And when we first got there, uh, we had a tour guide. You can't you can't go to Yemen on your own. There's no personal tours, um, so we had to hire a guide. And uh, so the guide met us at the airport, and um, he he introduced himself. And then he the first thing he said to us was, "Tell people you're from you're from Turkey." That's the first thing he said to us. And we're like, what? What's up with, why Turkey? He's just like, you want to be from Turkey. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so, Turkey it is. And uh, It
0: seems like a hard sell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. You're a big, tall, blonde dude from yes. uh, Turkey.
2: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect cover. Uh, I guess the thinking is, it's European Muslim, sure. so you can maybe fake it. Uh but, you know, it, we ne- we've never had to sort of lie about our nationality. We sort of just deal with it um, because that's just the way it is when you travel. But it was interesting, you know, when we first started walking around and some, you know, people always know like three phrases in English and one of them is, where are you, hello, and where are you from. And so we started, started saying we're from Turkey. And this one time, um, and I have no idea why I said this, uh, I said, they asked me where I was from and I said, Canada, and I, as soon as I said it I was like, oh my fucking god I just said I'm from Canada you know, uh, which is for me that's almost like saying I'm from Texas So it's, it's, it's pretty bad
1: uh,
0: we've actually got several Canadians in the audience uh, I just saw another one I actually expressly told Five Point no Canadians but there's a whole bunch and Colin's leaving. <laughs>
1: All
0: right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and uh, we're gonna go ahead and play on that theme. Do you want to get started with uh, with yeah. our, our cold call a Canadian? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I um, I had this idea of uh, it's called call a Canadian, and it comes from um, just my interactions with Canadians, um, and sort of their like amazement that uh, Americans know nothing about Canada. Uh, they, they they tend to not believe me like, and they're just like, oh, that's a bunch of bullshit. And I'm just like, I'm telling you, no one knows who the prime minister of Canada is. No, one. does anyone know who the prime minister of Canada is? No.
0: Anson does too. I do. Sorry. I <laughs> will
3: pretend I don't. See, see, see,
2: the amazement. No one knows. knows. No one knows. <laughs> I'm telling is it Fuller. No,
1: you know Chris. You don't know who it is. You're faking <laughs> <laughs> No, Honestly, I'm not. Stephen Harper.
0: Stephen Harper. 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 Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I was close.
2: No, so... Yeah,
1: just say Ben Harper. Harper. Okay.
2: But that's what's... <laughs> reference. But what's interesting is it's like, it's exactly that. Like, it had to take people convincing everyone. Like, it's like, everybody knows who... Barack Obama. Everybody knows, you know, the capital of the United States. But no one knows who the prime minister of or why there's a prime minister and what it's, it's a super confusing like political system actually sure. i have right, some notes get, go for it so let me just uh, i had to go on to uh what happened to steve the internet to find this kind of stuff so what i think is interesting about canada is it's like there's all this like um it's just really it's like a pretty simple country right i mean it's just canada like there's not much going on there <laughs> But like the like, uh, I mean not really. Um, but like the government, like we have a, a basic your basic democracy type of thing, like standard off. So and I was like God. Now what kind of what kind of like political system does Canada have? Like, does anyone know what kind of see this I'm talking about?
3: <laughs>
2: Anson, I think you know too. You're like one of those Jeopardy guys, aren't you? Surely.
3: I just, I just got back from Okay, so, Anson, well, tell
2: thing. me exactly what the government is in Canada.
3: It's a parliamentary democracy.
2: That's it? <laughs> you would think, right? But it's actually a federal parliamentary democracy under constitutional monarchy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, <laughs> what?
1: <laughs>
3: um.
2: But I just think it's really interesting. There's a lot of uh, stuff exactly like that about Canada, and the more I researched Canada for five minutes this morning, um, the more I was really uh, amazed by our brothers up north. Yeah. So, I thought, get one on the phone. so I thought what we'd do is we would, uh, I have a satellite phone, and we're going to try and reach out to Canada.
0: Go ahead and plug it in down there. And this is uh, this is where we're getting really out there with my technical capabilities, so let's see what happens
2: So what we're gonna do is we're gonna call a Canadian and I just wanna we're we're gonna talk about some Canada I Hope he's home not out gathering maple syrup or
1: something. Oh, here we
2: go. Hey, dude. Sunny shine, how you doing? <laughs> I'm well. How are you today? Good. I'm doing really good. Um, so. We are doing a live podcast right now, um, and I'm doing a segment called Call the Canadian, and since Sonny Tr- this is Sonny Trotter we're talking to, he's my favorite Canadian, uh, <laughs> I thought we would, uh, just catch up really quick, um, how are you doing uh, this morning? Live? Did you say this is live? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it, it, this, we're definitely live right now, so, um, but it, it, uh, because it's live here in the States, it won't reach Canada for about six months.
1: <laughs>
3: That's about right, yeah. So
0: hey, Sonny, I got hey talk. Sonny it's Caloose, man. You're on the normal cast. Hey, Chris, what's up, dude? <laughs> Nothing, how's it going? I'm well, I'm well. There's about Life's 30 good. people in the room, so just uh, enjoy yourself.
2: Um,
3: so oh, it sounds, it sounds intimate.
2: Oh, Yes. <laughs> Um, Hey, so, Sonny Shine, we were just talking... No, should should
3: I... I, I'm sorry, do I I need to get dressed for this, or?
2: (laughs) No, you just need to stop masturbating. (laughs) (laughs) Sonny, um, I I would like to talk about some serious stuff with you if you have time. Uh,
3: Sorry, about what?
2: Some serious Canadian issues I have. Okay. okay. Now, as as most people know, you you have a lot of Canadian pride. You have a Canadian tattoo. Um, yes. Yeah. But we've had this discussion before about some you, um, some people not really, or most Americans not knowing anything at all about Canada. And so I thought what we would do is maybe I would ask Chris a few questions about Canada, and you could then um, also reply to them, and we can sort of just see how much. Kaluus knows about Canada and how much you know about your own country as well.
1: Okay, does, does
5: pride does pride have anything to do with factual knowledge?
2: I I, I did because
4: I, I, I think I think I'm gonna lose this. Okay.
2: <laughs> no, if, if it's facts, you're good, dude. So, son, like for instance, because okay, Kaluus, what is the national sport? of Canada?
0: Hockey.
2: Sonny? Is that correct?
3: Uh, I'm going to go with lacrosse.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. This is exactly what I'm talking about with Canada. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Because Canada, it's not hockey, it's not lacrosse, it's both. They have two national <laughs> sports.
1: Yeah.
2: So this is exactly. I just. I figured hockey was just too obvious, you know. It's <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. All right, bad. Though. Let's try another one. What is the capital of Canada?
0: Oh, we just talked about this. <laughs> is Ontario a, a city or is it that... Ontario is <laughs> Toronto province, it's believe. Toronto uh, Toronto Canada or whatever <laughs> um
2: Sonny is he correct in that it's Toronto Canada
0: uh, I
5: think it's Squamish <laughs>
4: <laughs> am I right okay okay, my second okay Okay, my second guess is uh, Ottawa. Ottawa <laughs> is correct.
2: Good job. Good job, Sonny. I'm, that's, I'm awesome. Um, Alright, what is the current, as of 2013, population of
0: Canada? What's the U.S., 350 million or so? <laughs>
1: well,
0: I'm gonna go with 100
2: million. Sonny, what is the population of Canada?
5: I'm gonna go with uh ballpark thirty-five mil?
2: Thirty-five million is correct.
4: <laughs> uh,
2: all of Canada smiling with you right now, Sonny. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Are you ready for the big one, Clues? Yeah, let's let's do the the, the this is extra this is the big round. one. Okay. Well we'll do two more. What is the national animal of Canada? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
2: Canada. The moose. The moose. Okay, that's, that's okay, well, uh, Sonny, what is the national animal of your home country?
1: Oh, dude, you're
3: loving this, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, shit. Um...
3: I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here. The the beaver?
2: The beaver is somewhat correct. Just like with everything else in Canada, they have two (laughs) national animals. One is the beaver. The other one is not a moose. The other one is a horse. But... Not any kind of horse, it's the Canadian horse. (laughs) Which I think is what the Mounties ride. Not a moose. That's true. Okay, so the last and most difficult question. Can you name how many provinces and territories are there in Canada?
0: And can you name them? Okay, I talked about this yesterday, so I got this unlocked. There's 13 total. 10 and 3, right? That is correct. Can you list them? Uh let's see, we're gonna go uh BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Is someone counting how many Manitoba
1: Four.
0: Ontario uh the next one <laughs> Quebec uh Newfoundland P E I And that's all I got for you on those. Uh, how many was that? Nine, eight, Seven, P I. No, Yukon's a territory. Yukon territory, Northwest Territories. Enough of it, territory.
2: <laughs> I think that's none of it. Oh, None of it,
0: territory. And uh,
2: I can't remember the other provinces. Sonny, is he right? Oh, Chris, you're, you're killing it, Chris. Finish it off, man. It's, think about it.
0: <laughs> There's New Brunswick. Yes. Uh-oh. Did I get them all? One
1: more. Oh. I, I believe... i
0: I'm believe getting some help from the audience. Nova, Nova Scotia. Scotia. All right.
2: That is it. That's not bad. That's, that's pretty good. Thanks, hey, Sonny. Got your back. Sonny? I,
4: I'm impressed. I'm impressed.
2: Appreciate your time, Sonny. It was super helpful. Uh, I'm sorry that you don't know very much about your own country. Um, <laughs> but I'll, uh, I'll give you a call tomorrow and we'll uh, talk more about Canada.
1: That sounds good. Uh, thanks for the
4: surprise event. Good talking to you guys.
0: Come back down to the States, and, buddy.
5: Uh, What's that?
0: Come back down soon.
1: I can't, uh, I can't of Come back to
0: the States soon. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm on my way in May. Three weeks. Awesome, we'll see you then.
4: Sounds
0: great. Have a good day. Talk to you
4: later.
1: See you, Sunnyshine. Shine. Okay. Ciao. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, JT.
0: You going to stay up? Move one chair to the, to the left there. All right. Thanks a lot. That was a lot of fun. That turned out pretty well. Sunny Trotter is a, is a uh, good sport. We'll give him that. So, we love Canadians. Don't get us wrong. We love the Canadians in the room, actually all right for our next guest i'm going to bring up another return guest also vying for three-time a normal cast championship is mr kelly (laughs) cordis you need me to hold something kelly
6: My prep sheet that Chris gave me because it's too early in the morning, which is why I got two drinks. I, I like how the first thing on your prep sheet it says your name. Right. <laughs> yeah, good. Let's start with that. Set. I understand why you did like live in front of a studio audience so you could edit things yeah, I out. Yeah, take some stuff out. That'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that whole segment, for example. <laughs> the Canate. Kin- I, I did not know that the, the Canadians had doubles of everything, but it reminded me of um, something to follow up on, JT. How do you get 20 Canadians out of a swimming pool? <laughs> Just ask. I, I do not know. Just ask. <laughs> <laughs> you're all so nice, and you're gonna be banned from their fucking country, dude, because you're... <laughs> I already am banned. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: All right, Kelly. I, I yes, want to talk to you a little bit about your winner. You spent the mm-hmm. winter down, and actually, you know what? I actually have a different question. Okay. First question is, what happened to the mullet?
6: Ah, yeah. What happened to the mullet? Well, <laughs> thank God. Exactly. That's what most people say. Um, I oh, know, dude. All, all dreams die. Uh huh. Um, it's kind of a part of life, you know, and I would, or it was a sad and pathetic statement of my reaching middle age that I decided to grow a mullet for the last couple of years, and. Uh, it, it kind of came to an end. Um, I was out in Ventura, California, for some Patagonia meetings, and I showed up at the airport in Santa Barbara, and they had, you know, they had rented me a car, and uh, you know, I wanted a compact car. Like I hate it when you get there, and they're like, "Oh, Mr. Corus, we've upgraded you to an SUV." I'm like, "I don't want a fucking SUV. You know, I want this compact car that I reserved." And they and they go, oh, well, "I'm sorry, we're out of them." Um, the only thing we have left, though, and I've got like a full-on mullet with the racing stripes shaved in inside my head, because the only thing we've got is a brand new 2013 Camaro. Will that work for you? <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that'll work for me. And uh, yeah, so I had the, I just thought it was kind of maybe time, you know, like everyone else thought it was time a couple years ago. Like, like they, they were like, dude, it was funny for like the first six months you had the mullet. It's going on two and a half years. like. You're over 40 years old. It's time to cut the mullet. And, uh, but after, after the, the fire red Camaro, which I got over 100 miles an hour a few times, it was pretty rocking with yeah, white stick it... playing. It, it was just time to like end it, end it on a good note. Nice. That's totally. all. Totally. That's all.
0: No, I, I actually grew a mustache, a great big uh, Tom Selleck, very old reference, Tom Selleck mustache for my 40th birthday. And uh, I realized, too, that there's a certain age at which your mustache is no longer ironic. <laughs> like, if you're 22 and you live, you know, in Brooklyn and you've got a great big mustache, everybody like knows, you know, that's like, that's like the joke. But when you got one, you know, and it just is stuck on your face like some sort of caterpillar, people gather their kids, you know, when you pull into the campground oh, yeah. and that sort I, of uh,
2: thing. So. I, if you Google Kelly Cordis mm-hmm. mullet,
6: mm-hmm.
2: Uh, there are some outstanding. Uh, images with the racing stripes. That one's
6: on uh, Google Images. Under Images, if you go to... If you type in Mullet Stripes, I'm still number one and number two. (laughs) Even though... You know, I mean...
0: that's called search engine
6: optimization. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, well and done. Then,
0: uh, there's, there's many companies <coughs> in the world that would die for
6: something. Absolutely, like that. <laughs> they should hire me as a consultant. The uh, speaking of the creepy mustache, while I had the mullet with the racing stripes, I grew the nastiest mustache in the world, like the full-on molestache, like it was really creepy looking. <laughs> to the point where my dude friends, who all love the mullet, and all my chick friends were like, "You got to get rid of that thing," you know. But like my dude friends were all into the mullet, like, yeah. But even they they were like you gotta get rid of that mustache Molly, you're mustache creeping companies. me out no. man let it me say really something bad. about mustaches
0: my dad has had a mustache his whole life mustaches work on certain people not me not me. <laughs> not me all right let's get to the substance here okay. you spent the winter in patagonia yeah and uh, what were you doing down there? you were there for like three months
2: just two, sorry real quick months. i just did some more googling on kelly, kelly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay um
2: if you enter Kelly Cordis into your Google search box, it comes up Kelly Cordis Patagonia, Kelly Cordis Fun Scale, Kelly Cordis Accident, Kelly Cordis Margarita Recipe, and then the next one is Kelly Cordis Attorney. Whoa!
6: <laughs> Can you put so, me in touch with that guy who does the ad? Totally. I need it. Yeah, and that would be awesome. To hear your lawyer named Kelly Cordis. <laughs> one time on my. On my blog, you know, they, they, if you go to the statistics thing, like on, if you have a blog, which everybody does, the, uh, you know they'll tell you how people got there. And one time I took a screenshot of the search thing that people typed in to get to my blog. I wish I could remember what it was, but it was far more embarrassing than that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about? We were talking about... <laughs> this is going to be a hell of an edit. Yeah, Very it much. is. <laughs> and I was giving him a hard
0: time, I know. Uh, normally I do this in my closet by the way this is really funky um so we were talking about Patagonia I wanted to yes. talk to you about climbing Fitzroy because you uh-huh. went down there and uh you've climbed Torre in the past uh-huh and you went down and spent uh several months researching a book is that right
6: yeah and um for a couple months yeah and, and trying to climb like uh I mean my body's beat up to hell from all these surgeries I had a few years ago and walking is kind of hard for me and uh but, I, but I, got, I got nothing else going on in my life, so I keep beating my head against the same wall, you know? So I thought, uh, I thought you know, like the eight-hour approach plus 5,000 vertical feet of climbing on Fitzroy would be a logical next step in my sure. progression. totally. Yeah. Who'd you team up with for that? Uh, Craig Scariot, Right. A good friend of mine lives in Fort Collins, and uh, he's, a, he's a tough bastard. He's an ultra runner. Um, he hadn't done any alpine climbing before this trip. Uh, I, I, I was kind of too insecure about my um, physical condition to be honest uh, to invite like, or you know, to go climb with like, I mean the, the people I would climbed with on previous expeditions like Josh Wharton, Colin Haley, Scott DiCaprio, all these guys who are like, you know re- really badasses and uh, but uh, you know, I didn't I don't want to hold anybody back so in in logic that in retrospect maybe I don't know if it was the soundest thinking in the world. I invited my best friend, who uh, has zero alpine climbing experience. Yeah, and I told him, "Don't don't worry about it, dude. It's it's not that big a deal. It's just Fitzroy. I can I can get the rope up for us, and we'll, we'll be all right." Well, let me ask you a couple
0: questions about that because, I you know as a climber who's you know interested in the history of Patagonia, I realize that I don't actually know what it takes to climb one of those things. And when I say what it takes, I don't mean like the more, you know, the fortitude and the strength and the skill. I'm talking about like, you know, all you ever hear are these horrible stories because that's what gets back. Because that's what, you know, sort of sells magazines is like, you know, the, the wind and the, the snow mushroom and all these sorts of things. And yet, you know, I know plenty of people who've just gone down there doo, 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 and then come back and said, yeah, I climbed Fitzroy. So you get off the plane. Where do you get off the plane? Uh,
6: El El Calafate. Okay, El Calafate. What happens after that? It, new Patagonia. We could even the things you were talking about there can be divided into old Patagonia and new Patagonia. New Patagonia. You show up in El Calafate. You hop on a shuttle bus. Two hours later, you're in El Chaltén. Okay. You get your apartment. You you get on the internet and you look at the weather. That's the biggest thing that has changed from old Patagonia to new Patagonia. Okay. As Rolo uh, wrote in his outstanding guidebook. Climbing in Patagonia is no longer an expedition, it's a climbing trip. It's right. a, It's almost like Chamonix without the lifts. Okay. Which, which, and I'm not actually dissing that, I mean, it's like, it's actually pretty damn cool. A lot of people can go there. It's different, you know? I mean, some, you gain some things and you lose some things. All right, so you're in El Chal ten, you get a good weather forecast. Yeah. What happens next? Everybody goes into the mountains and you end up climbing these, like, 5,000 foot routes with, like, a dozen other people on the route. Well, it's it's weird. No, I, I want
0: to be more specific. Oh. What happened? What do you what did okay. you do next? Like all right. do you yeah. have to hike somewhere? I mean, honestly okay. like I have no idea. Like from, so from obviously the they're sitting there. You
6: can see them from town. Yeah, it's you amazing. see all those pictures. For sure. So
0: now like do you walk well, yep. that's the deal with New
2: Patagonia compared to Old Patagonia, right? Is you yeah. can't stay in town.
6: Yeah, it, that that's one of the many things. I mean, now you stay in town, which actually makes sense. It's that the there was getting too much impact with the camping in the tent cities in the park. And uh, so now you're, you're hanging out in town, you got your internet, You, you know you, the weather forecasts are perfect because there's nothing between the storms brewing in the Pacific Ocean and the mountains. I mean, so it's really pretty dialed forecasting. And so in our case, what happened was uh, uh, Rolo and Dorte, they were going into the same valley. They picked us up along with uh, two of our friends, Chris Trimble and Justin Dubois, and me and Craig. And the four of us were all going for the same route. And uh, Rolo and Derete were doing something else, but starting from the same trailhead. So we we pile in their truck. We go to the trailhead. We hike for um, eight hours to the base of the route. And uh, yeah, we we hike for eight hours to the base of the route, like, I don't know, gaining several thousand vertical feet, like a really steep, pain in the ass approach. Um, And then we skedaddle up uh, the ice slopes at the base of the route. And uh, climbed, I don't know, 14 pitches or something. Uh, that was in the first day uh, to a bivy. And uh, get up the next morning, you know, because we know we have several days of good weather. Get up the next morning, climb, I don't know, 20 or so pitches probably. So what what's the climbing like? And oh. what route are you on? Uh, it's called the Afana CF. It's a French name. The Afana CF Ridge. It's a northwest ridge. Okay.
0: History. So, because I, again, like... I also, you know, sometimes I see pictures of, like, you know, uh, Nico, like, just basically yeah. sport climbing in his climbing shoes, and other times I see pictures of dudes, you know, picking away at rime ice and yeah. everything in between. Everything in what between. Are you, what are you doing on the, the route?
6: This particular route that we run is a uh, long alpine rock route, uh, pretty moderate. I, I think, you know, the hardest climbing is, like, 5'10", but really the hardest climbing was, like, probably five nine dry but you know no pro for 40 feet and a, a waterfall coming down and it's like off width on this side and slab climbing on this side both of which are drenched with water so that that's like standard alpine climbing bullshit you know okay. it's like you just you just deal and it's um a lot of rambly terrain some steep terrain um so sometimes you're simul climbing sometimes you're pitching it out the whole key is getting your systems down moving efficiently right no single pitch i mean Anybody in this room would probably warm up on the crux pitch of of that route. It's not that hard, but the total package ends up kind of being a big deal.
0: So you're not like up there, you know, taking and trying
6: to work a move out like Nico and those guys are. Yeah, yeah, doing if I go sick like stuff, left hand
0: but- to that Gaston and <laughs> no. then I underclaim, <laughs> no. just can you take for a second? <laughs>
6: right. Yeah. No, so- some people do when they're really working out super hard stuff, and it- it's pretty amazing. Like the-, the people who are up there going really hard, but I, I I don't I don't climb well enough. Like to, I would feel kind of silly doing that on like five ten or whatever my limit is. Sure. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you guys are like by hook or by crook. Up you go.
6: Yeah, I mean we. You know I. I mean I want to free climb everything. Sure. I don't just yard on gear. So right. yeah, I mean like and, and you know yeah I can fairly comfortably free climb wet run out five ten. So um, yeah, that's what we did. So how many days? Uh, it was like two days to the summit, and then we had a. Uh, bad epic on the descent and uh, that took like a day and a half or something probably sort of epic. well um, it, it relates a little bit to a combination of my stupidity combined with um, old Patagonia new Patagonia so new Patagonia it's easy to get complacent and that's where my stupidity interacts in this really interesting way <laughs> uh, yeah like, like I'm thinking like you know whatever dude like it's just it's just Fitzroy like yeah what kind of moron underestimates Fitzroy um but, uh, so we, we topped out on our second, it was, I guess, our second day of, around sunset. And, um, and I was, I was just eager to get down because my body was hurting too bad. I, you know, I, I mean, I can't do those sorts of things anymore. Um, it just hurts too much. And, uh, I was just eager to get down, you know, and, uh, and, uh, like you're a beacon of intelligent calling <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah.
6: And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's at sunset i'm like dude let's just head down you know because we're repelling the other the other side the franco argentine i'm like dude and craig was like i don't know should we head down in the dark you know and i'm like yeah it's no big deal follow me you know <laughs> like I, yeah and uh that was a really bad call um because the uh the, the descent like i just got complacent like you descend the standard route on the other way the franco argentine route and um, but it's actually a little tricky, especially in the dark and especially if you didn't like study the topo because you're just like, whatever, I can do this, um, which is kind of what I did, which there's no excuse for. it; It's just stupid complacency. And, and I mean, it doesn't matter how experienced you are or whatever, like you, you shouldn't do shit like that. That's kind of why I'm an idiot sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we we missed like the spot where you're supposed to go repellers right, we went repellers left, and over some free-hanging repels, and I'm like, man, this doesn't really seem right, you know, like, shining the headlamp down, like, in, like on free-hanging repel, like, with a prussic holding me on, and I'm like, man, this doesn't really seem right as I'm dangling in space, and like... Sure yeah you, you ever like shine your headlamp beam down into like complete swirling darkness where the beam doesn't touch the bottom it, uh, yeah. it's horrible, man, the, the
0: LED headlamp yeah. is awesome, and uh, you know I'm not going to bag on my sponsor at all, but those things they definitely when you just
6: are looking. In the Oof. distance, it just disappears into the night. It's, and he, and I mean, even when I put on the high beam, it's just disappearing. And so I'm, JT and
0: I couldn't get uh, off, like, a six-pitch yeah. tower last or two winters ago yeah. in the night. So yeah, yeah.
6: It, it's, it's scary. And I'm, like, pulling up coils of rope and then, like, dropping them and listening to hear, like, the sound. Like, are the, are the ropes hit? Because I couldn't see far enough. Are the ropes hitting a ledge or is that sound, the rope, and snapping into space? And then... uh and then we we kept going because (laughs) (laughs) yeah so we ended up spending a really horrifying night out and uh yeah i thought we were probably done i i mean my thoughts got pretty dark because we i mean we like i had repelled to the end of our ropes like literally i guess and uh you know anchors were disappearing so at this point it's clear that we're off route but like we had um for this alpine route like the snow and ice was easy so i you know i you know made the decision that we should just climb with uh, sneakers and aluminum crampons and we could share one miniature ice axe between the two of us. Which which actually was fine, you know, like um, except that like the things we were wrapping down are like overhanging icy corners and you couldn't climb back up. So then when we were stuck and I wrapped down to the end of the ropes and the thing dropped off and there were no more cracks, that's where, that's where I, I got a little worried and we came up and just spent the night sitting on a tiny ledge and just shivering and um, yeah, the wind started kicking up. And, yeah, that's where I got, like, a little bit like, wow, man, this is ironic. Like, so, you know, I don't know if we're going to get out of this one. Like, wow, boy, I fucked this good on this. Yeah. Wow, this is it, eh? Yeah, it was a bummer. But, um, yeah, it, and, uh, but in the morning, uh, it's interesting the difference between daylight and uh, nighttime, at least in my mind. Um, the way the the way i look at things i mean it it's almost goes back to like when you're a little kid and you're afraid of the dark you know and on uh, i've been caught in the dark actually a lot i know that's a big surprise to everybody um on uh climbing routes and uh, number
2: 4 on the google search was kelly cortis accident so. <laughs>
6: yeah exactly exactly and uh once it starts getting dark i always start getting really scared like Uh, Like like as if I'm like a you know afraid of the dark like literally I'm like oh no and then and then when darkness falls I usually like settle into this place where I'm totally cool with it and I'm just like man this is gorgeous like looking at the stars and all that but then uh but then it also if you're stuck in the middle of the night and and you're lost and you're off route then then it gets a little creepy and uh, so yeah. That, that affects my mindset. But once daylight came, like like daytime almost brings new life, new vision in a way. And uh, I thought, well, you know, we can, maybe we can figure this out. And obviously we did because I'm still here, So
1: right
6: <laughs> I'm not dead yet.
0: Not dead yet.
6: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, actually, I'm going to bring up another guest, Austin. Are you willing to come up on stage? Um, Austin Sidek is a filmmaker that's here for Five Points. Um, and he also uh, recently had a... Here leave your mic there yeah he also uh just recently had an adventure down in patagonia so i want to include him in on this and uh talk a little bit about some themes that yeah that's an actual camp chair that's been used in the desert sorry um uh, i don't know he's picky but I wanna talk about some themes that you were starting to get at, you know, these, these sort of like, I'm complacent and this is like totally easy for me and, uh, and whatever else. So uh, thanks for coming up, Austin. Yeah, totally glad to be here. Austin Sidek, everybody. <laughs> he was the, uh, the auteur behind the Shiver Bivy last night, if you saw that. Yeah. So. And he uh, has got a bunch of films uh, in the that you've at least participated in, um, including your brainchild, uh, Silence. Is that what it's called?
4: Yeah, I got a tonight, uh, two films that I worked on are showing tonight, and two more tomorrow. Oh, cool! Yeah,
0: so a lot, a lot of stuff here. Um, anyway, so let's talk about your trip to Patagonia. You did something that um, is just light and fun called the Care Bear Traverse. Um, yep, it's a great name. You know, it's one of those things like, oh wow, that does sound neat. You know,
4: <laughs> up in the clouds. Yeah, like can the you K-Way. tell us a
0: little bit about that? That's also on Fitzroy.
4: Uh, yeah, it, uh, it's a, it's a traverse of, I guess the. If you're looking at the Fitzroy Massif in Argentina, wait for those motorcycles to go by. Um, it's a long ridge traverse that essentially uh, goes a, tackles a couple different summits in the F- Fitzroy Massif and finishes on top of Fitzroy, I think. Um, you start on the north ridge of Guijame summit Aguja Guijame. You go over Aguja Mermoz. And then uh, you finish on the North Pillar of Fitzroy. So all in all, it's about 6,400 feet of climbing.
0: And uh, Austin wrote a really, really excellent uh, blog post, which I think deserves to be maybe published somewhere. Um, And I'll post that on the website uh, for later on. Talking about that, but you had come off sort of a a kind of a brutal defeat, um, and then went ahead and did that. Can you talk about just, and this was this winter, correct? Yeah, this was,
4: I was down there uh, when Kelly was down there mm-hmm. a few yeah. months ago, yeah.
0: So can you talk about that transition between the
4: two? Uh, yeah, so we had, I'd gotten down there, done a little bit of climbing on some of the smaller peaks, or smaller like, uh, and then we all of a sudden got this incredible weather window opened up. A few friends and I um, headed up into the mountains to climb the Franco-Argentine, which is the route that, uh, or we actually went up there to go climb this route called the Californian Route. Um, it was put up by Yvon Chouinard uh, back in like something like '68 or something. Sure, yeah, I don't know. Um, '60s, I think that's about right. Yeah, I think it was '68. I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyways, I'll, um, I'll bet you. I'll bet you. Yeah, <laughs> call it Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we had we had gone up there to go climb this route, and there was incredible weather. No wind, no clouds, uh, which is kind of unheard of in Patagonia, at least all the stories that you hear of Patagonia. Sure, yeah. Um, and we got up there, and there was still tons of ice and snow on the route itself from the storm that had passed in the previous few days. And so we actually switched our objective after we did a bunch of the uh, approach climbing. And we started up another route, only got about a pitch up that before we realized that um it just wasn 't going to happen. Like, mm-hmm. We were moving too slow, and the the cracks were all filled with ice and rime and so in perfect weather, like sun shining on our faces, hot weather almost, we ended up bailing um, and heading down back to town um, and that was i don 't know that was for me that was kind of a it wasn 't like a terrible experience, but I was pretty bummed because um On the way down, we were we were talking to ourselves, we were like, man, this like this sucks. Like everyone else is sending right now.
1: Sure. (laughs)
4: You know? Um, I just like I could just like think about all the teams that were out there climbing, having a great time, and we were like, man, we are probably the only ones going down right now. Uh Uh-huh. and it was it was kind of a bummer. And but then I I thought about it for a moment and I realized that the really the only reason that I was bummed with the situation, ha, ha, like ha, every all of that had to do with my ego, and the fact that I want people to think that I'm like a good climber. You know, like part of me definitely wants like people to think I'm a badass or something, which uh-huh. I'm not at all. <laughs> um, no, we'll get to that. And I'm and you know when you're when you're coming when you're like I was just worried you know at, oh man people are gonna think that we're like a bunch of gumbies for bailing off the easiest route on Fitzroy, and in reality, we had just enjoyed like a couple days of incredible weather, climbing through this amazing landscape of stone and ice, in a place that few people are ever going to see. You know, when you think about it, and and all of a sudden I realized like I had just had a ton of fun, even if we had bailed, we'd you know climbed a still a, like 1,500 feet of terrain, and um, yeah, it was put a like basically just changed my perspective, and we went back to town, hung out for a few days, and then. Decided to go out to, to climb the, to at least attempt the Care Bear Traverse, a much bigger climb. And yeah, things. things so, who'd you climb that with? Uh, I climbed that with a friend of mine, Shane Lempe, uh-huh. um, who is a young crusher. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so you, you end up doing this,
0: uh, I guess in a lot of ways, you decided to do something that was harder than your original object- objective.
4: Yeah, it was. Like, look, it was fun. like in between when we were sitting back in town, wondering like, oh man, what are, what should we do? because like, the weather window just, it didn't close. Uh-huh. you know, historically in Patagonia, you hear people spending three or four weeks down there and seeing a day or two of good weather, and we had gone out in the mountains, come back, and it still looked like perfect weather on the horizon, looking uh-huh. at the weather, and and so we had just had to bail off. Not a terribly difficult route, not a terribly big route in by Patagonian standards sure um but looking at the weather uh my partner Shane looked at me and said we have to go big and we have to go now um and so we were looking at it like what we should, should we do and he said we should go try to do the Care Bear and he's climbed El Cap something like 20 times he's done a lot he's like his first season in Patagonia the previous season he had put up a huge 6,000 foot link up uh and so He was, like, psyched to go big, and I was like, well, yeah, sure, let's (laughs) give it a go. Um,
6: Like, I had never done anything that big, and, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it shows great alpine sensibility that you got shut down on a smaller route and then decided to try a bigger, harder route as a result. You've got a lot of potential, Austin. (laughs) Uh, I commend it. In all seriousness, that is the mindset, though. Like, I've always maintained that, like, any decent alpinist has got an element of them to where they're a dreamer, you know? I mean, you you don't fucking go to some 5,000, 7,000-foot thing, like, as a logical, like, normal, button-down type person and think, oh, yeah, let's put, like eight pounds of gear on her back and go climb this thing i mean it's just it's just not that sensible of a thing i mean there's an element of fantasy being a dreamer thinking actually in my case i've always thought that that this uh, delusional optimism is is one of my strongest assets like that i think that i'm better than i am you know and then you climb yourself into a situation where you can't really get out of it and you have to keep going it's a, it's a great strategy and, and, and you seem to be well on your way to say nothing of your climbing ability I'm sure you can out me I would so.
2: absolutely advise not taking life lessons from <laughs> Kelly Cortis. <laughs> Kelly Cortis' life lessons does not come up on Google search
6: dude,
2: okay. I'll
6: show you I'm going to be a life coach dude you can do it I'm champ. investing I'm investing
4: in um, that company but no I mean it was actually I was I mean I'm, a, I'm also a filmmaker and I was down there doing some work, doing some filming for a, an upcoming piece that we're making about Patagonia. And I was actually a lot of what I talked to, to about people doing interviews and whatnot. It was kind of what Kelly's talking about in terms of the experience climbing down in Patagonia, where it's it really it's so cliche to say it, but when you talk with people who've climbed down there a lot, and it's not part of it's about getting to the summit. Part of it is like like achieving that goal, but really. The, when, I, when I would delve into a conversation with someone and really pinpoint why they enjoyed climbing down there so much, it came down to the, experience, the entire experience of um, just going out there and taking, like, confronting a challenge that you're not sure what's going to happen. There's like a huge sense of the unknown, finding an objective that is going to test you and your partner um, in ways that you're not quite sure what's going to happen. And to unlock each puzzle as it comes... And to want that experience, and to experience that in that landscape, and that was kind of what that was. That was kind of what propelled us to go and do the bigger route. Was like this. I think I think we can do it. I'm not sure if we can, but I, I bet we're going to have a pretty incredible experience if we just go try. Well, one of
1: the
0: reasons I asked uh, Austin to come up here was um, I started reading his blog, and uh, on his his blog, and what, what's the site for that? Uh, it's just. AustinSideAct.blogspot. Okay. Um, I mean, it's definitely worth worth checking out. I'll link it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. But uh, on on your thing, you've got your little tag that says, uh, I'm not a sponsored athlete. I don't climb 514, but I love climbing, pushing my limits, putting in long days, and being outdoors as much as possible. And that combined with that blog post about ego, uh, I thought was a really interesting combination. You know, someone obviously who's thinking about that, who's thinking about, you know, whether or not being a great climber makes you a great person maybe or whether or not putting up numbers is something that's important to you but at the same time last night when we were in the vip room after five point <laughs> enjoying some cocktails um you know i kind of called your shit on that a little bit because i said well you can pretend that you are you know just this you know okay like just get her done type of climber but i think that kind of left you know you left that behind when you We're on top of Fitzroy, you know. You, you you know, it's like that's a really amazing achievement that most of us sort of dream of.
6: So, you know,
0: you know where, I mean, how do you feel about yourself now?
6: But I, I would argue against you, Chris, as I love the opportunity to do, and uh, in favor of Austin by saying that where he was talking about that, I mean that 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 spot came. Before he climbed Fitzroy, I mean that, that spot came while he was doubting himself, thinking these thoughts that I don't know if everyone thinks it, but but I certainly do. Like oh oh I suck man like damn like every, everyone's doing better stuff than me and I'm lame and why can't I get together and you know all these you know normal doubts like to me that was the transformative thing uh, in the way I read. Austin's piece, and specifically the section about ego, was after he got shut down on the California route, which like everyone and their brother's running up things in Patagonia this season, and so that it, it was in that space, in between failing on Fitzroy and actually sacking up and going big, that, that he kind of had this, this metamorphosis of um, being like, all right, I'm going to try it, and, and to me, that was the most important thing. You want to talk about yourself at all? Because yeah.
0: we're just gonna yeah, me, we're just gonna put out these theory. We're gonna analyze
6: it. You're actually no. getting charged hourly yeah. for this, by the way, because this my is life, life coaching, coaching business. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I mean, I, I would still,
4: I would still like r- disagree. I, I don't think I'm like a very good climber at all. But. Um, uh, I don't know what you want
0: me to say. <laughs> I don't want you to say anything. <laughs> right, let's move on then, because I want to connect this to your filmmaking. Um, you, How did you get into, um, obviously you're you're a climber, um, an outdoors person, you, you want to get out there, and then at what point do you decide that you want to document some of these things
4: that you see out there? Um, can I actually go back and answer the previous? I oh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: um,
4: I, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about Ego and how it relates to climbing, and my relationship with climbing after I came back from Patagonia this season, and in, in writing this story, um, and the the experience of climbing down in Patagonia this year just reinforced in my mind how much to me climbing hard is such a relative term. You know, if you're a five fourteen climber, five fifteen is going to be hard. If you're a 5'9 climber, 5'10 is going to be hard. But what I think is the most important is that you're constantly out there pushing beyond what you're currently at. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that, to me, is the most inspiring thing. Um, if, you know, I, It's not that inspiring to me if, to watch a video of Chris Sharma climbing, say, like a 5'13, right? Because you know he can do it. Um, but if I think I would be, like, I'm stoked when I see someone who's like barely just gotten into climbing like out there just giving her. That idea of just like, constantly trying to push your limits and go beyond what you think you're capable of, when I mean, we're all capable of so much more than we, than we think we are. and um, That's kind of just what I, what inspires me about climbing. I don't know if that answer, like, relates to that question at all. but
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that rounds it out. What was the, the next well, I'll, question? I'll re-ask that okay. question. We'll do a little quick edit here.
1: Um, <laughs> no.
0: But I, I wanted to talk to you about oh. filmmaking, because you know, again, we're here for the Five Point. You're here in our town this town because uh, you're a filmmaker and have a bunch of stuff in, in, in the uh, festival. So you're out there climbing. At what point did you decide to start documenting some of the things that you were thinking about or, or looking at
4: out there? Kind of like, how did I get into yeah, doing absolutely. it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's actually kind of an interesting story. Uh, well, not maybe not that interesting. <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> it's got to be more interesting
2: than Kelly's stories.
1: <laughs>
4: um... uh i you know i've only been I've been climbing for about a little over four years like not that long in the grand scheme of things and ever since kind of even from the beginning when I started climbing, um, I was really inspired by like the stories and the short films that I was already seeing online at that point uh, guys like Renan and um, Cedar Wright and other guys who were going out on these trips and Documenting that and coming back and telling stories, I thought was so cool. And I had zero experience with any sort of camera. I've never been an artsy person. Um, I came really close to actually going and joining the State Department after college because that was what I studied and whatnot. But to me, when I, I when I thought about what I what I wanted to do with my life, I didn't really know. But I knew that I was happiest when I was outdoors as much as possible. And so I hit the road. I quit my job after college, moved into the back of a minivan and just was climbing around the west and um I just like I I decided I kind of wanted to try my hand at telling stories and maybe try to like make some films. I knew absolutely nothing. I spent like half of my meager life savings on a camera and um some editing software and a computer and I'm, my parents thought it was such a terrible idea. <laughs> um I'm sure and uh, I, was just out on, I was just out on the road and I started pressing record and um, I started I, I just taught myself YouTube videos like oh how do I do this, how do I do that um, because I, I just found that so many of the people that I was meeting out on the road and in this community are so inspiring to me and wanting to share their stories is something that I just absolutely want to do and now you're, you're you know, to a certain extent making a living at it yeah it's been it's been pretty crazy like the last year and a half has been like absolutely a dream come true you know? Cause, uh, I reread like an old blog post of mine where i re- when I was just starting to do this, just starting to maybe think that I could make films or tell stories and I reread it the other day actually i hadn't see, like read it in two years, and it was incredible for me to think like here was this dream I'd had a couple years ago and I think through a certain amount of luck, but really just through serendipity and taking advantage of opportunities that came my way and just getting out there and at least trying. I've somehow been able to make it happen, which has been pretty cool. Awesome.
0: (laughs) Well, um, I'm going to use that as a segue to bring up my last guest. Anson, come on up. You guys want to skip down one more?
3: It's like Leno or something. Everyone has to skip down. Yeah, yeah. That's exact
0: actually I'm I'm ripping this off this whole format off of uh uh WTF with Mark Marin, which was my inspirational podcast to do this podcast. So this is his format. Uh we're gonna pay homage to one more podcast sure. at the end of the show as well. One of my other favorites, but we'll get to that in a minute. Slouch. The slouch. The slouch. All right, this is Anson fogel He is a filmmaker. He is uh kind of become sort of a cornerstone
3: filmmaker of this
0: festival, wouldn't you say?
3: I don't know about that.
0: Well, I mean, part of this,
4: I mean, how many, how yes. many films do you have in this thing this time? Not as many as Austin. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I might have Anson beat out this
0: nice. year. Nice. <laughs> number one, number one. But you've been involved with it for a while because you're from the area. Yeah, yeah. Primarily. Yeah, this so. is my hometown. And uh, you, you know, we've been talking a ton about climbing. Um, at least the stuff I've seen from, from you and your company recently in the outdoor stuff has been a lot more uh, whitewater stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's pretty diverse, but yeah, Whitewater is definitely more, more of the sort of history. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about my feelings for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Because like, I normally don't get nervous, but I'm sitting here and I'm getting nervous because I'm like, I don't, I've never lived in my truck. I don't have a blog. I've never had a blog. I don't have any sponsors, and I'm not funny. <laughs> So, like, what the fuck am I here? Oh, and I'm you not a climber. To, yeah, you're not a climber. We're well, I mean, th- I, could, I climbed a little bit because I ran you know, all that. But, like, I, like, don't belong here, basically. No, you're here because I couldn't get Renan. So just steal it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that that's exactly what I'm Renan
0: saying. Renan has here. refused my advances. No, you're here because of your voice,
3: actually. Oh. And I'm not joking about I that. I do have a sexy voice. Yes, you do.
0: That's a podcast voice. We're going to have to... Do some EQ in the post just to not have just that do blow blog
6: people. posts where you do sexy
0: talk. <laughs> Are you
3: guys, do you like, do you like boys?
1: <laughs>
3: you want me to say, I can sort of go, we can just do this the whole time. No, no, you I should have go. done the voiceover for the
6: snuggle baby. Will
3: you guys <laughs> teach hands. me how <laughs> to All right,
0: so let's get to, let's get to the meat of this thing. You have uh, recently sort of... Um, I don't know, rebooted your company and started this thing called the, the Camp For Collective. And and though I was joking about getting not being able to get Renan on this and that's why you're here. Um actually part of that's a joke. Part of it is he has actually refused me. But you know, your company is involved in, in making in making all sorts of videos in the outdoors. And uh, you know, so tell us about this Camp For Collective thing because we're gonna you know, as climbers or any type of outdoors person, you're gonna Continue to see these amazing videos from this company. Um, so what do you guys got going?
3: So camp four is i I'm told a place in Yosemite. That's correct. Yes <laughs> I just wanted to get that out it's of the It's also way. a coffee place in Crested Butte as far as I know. So it is it's super good I've never been to camp four, <laughs> okay. which is kind of fucked up but So camp four collective is three years old and Jimmy Chin, Renan Turk, and Tim Keppel started camp four three years ago and it was really started as uh, an entity to do media work for the North Face, okay um, and really an outlet for all of their their film and you know documentary work as well as commercial work, so um, in January, Camp Four acquired it sounds really corporate Camp Four acquired Forge Motion Pictures, and so now there's four equal partners in camp and four Forge was your your production yeah. company yeah, and Forge still exists Forge still like, is. yeah, I mean but only for like narrative work or stuff that doesn 't really fit into the outdoor space so. Yeah, and basically we're just capitalists. We shoot advertising and make tons of money. No, we don't. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we, um, yeah, we do tons of different stuff. I mean, we do primarily do, um, you know, branded content work. Um, uh, my background's more television commercials and like okay. sort of traditional, like sta- standing in a studio watching some model pour Dr Pepper for five days straight. So. Um, I'm not joking about that
0: That sounds like it'd be fun for like two days It, it was fun
3: for like an hour Right Porn, porn always pays the bills And no, I've never shot porn um, Not that you've released Nah, yeah All I right. do have the voice though um,
1: <laughs>
3: Backup career That's gonna be awesome I think they're not really looking for voice. I've, anyway. Um... I looked into it once. So... Yeah, looking, that They're looking me. for a really big voice. That, <laughs> I weigh 130 pounds. Alright, well I have some questions for you about the
0: Camp Collective. Okay. Um, have you ever felt like, uh, extraordinarily intimidated,
3: uh, by Jimmy Chin? <laughs> You put that on the sheet, didn't you? I lost yeah. my notes.
0: Yeah, I did. I, I,
3: I just want the audience to know that he gave us notes, which yeah. is really legit. I didn't get any notes. You didn't get notes? I didn't get any I, notes.
0: By the time I Kelly, saw you, you got lo-
3: notes, right? By the time I ran into you last night, I'd lost them. No, I, you gave them to me, I and know. then I lost them. But that was the one question I remember.
0: Yeah, what, I mean, you know, not, not like intimidated in the sense of him threatening you, just intimidated <laughs> in the sense of of him being in the same room
3: and sort of adequacy and things like that I mean I have feelings of inadequacy even with you in the room
0: (laughs) oh my god Jimmy Chin must crush your soul
3: yeah it was tough in the beginning you know I mean I couldn't even look at him because he's too pretty I can't not look at him I can't... Still, it's like a super beautiful woman, you know, when you're young. You, like, can't even... Like, it's so overwhelming that you can't (laughs) look at them. That is the feeling I used to get from Jimmy.
6: You guys know, don't you, that a few years ago... People magazine had a thing of like fifty top eligible bachelors and oh, yes. Jimmy Chin was on the list.
3: He does not want the world to remember it, that. It,
6: no, that's why I'm saying it right now. Yeah.
3: No, I know. So we're actually working on a documentary about Mary, which we're still working on. And I we genuinely like put all kinds of time into trying to find the issue and like any media around it so we could put <laughs> he it has in
6: stolen or bought. No, I swear to everyone.
3: fucking God I hired a private detective to clean it like you cannot find it on google like it's not there like he has friends at the cia he's <laughs> on it well i still have it in try the, it, jt it's not, i'm just telling you it's not there i still
2: have that issue Who as a center number one, my hottest Jimmy's bachelor's people.com
3: <laughs> i'm on it right now okay. i could not find it dude i could not find the photo he has his shirt off in the photo Ooh. and he claims jimmy claims that they made him like tricked him into it I can't even look at the photo based on the, what I just mentioned, you know.
6: <laughs>
3: <laughs> even if it did exist. Chris,
6: is that what is that connected to the time you were naked and crying in the shower and calling Cahal about your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> is there yes, Any connection
0: there? <laughs> Unfortunately, that was undocumented. Uh, pho- uh, no photo documentation of the that was before iPhones. We're we'll on just it have now. To, just have to remain a memory for all of us. Um, I'm sorry, I'm f- screwing this whole. Thing. No, and actually, this is all part of my plan to get Jimmy Chin on the show. <laughs>
3: Dude, Jimmy will be here in a There's that
0: rule. Be there, be slandered.
3: Do you want to do Call Jimmy Chin?
0: Uh, No, I do not want you to call Jimmy Chin. No, seriously. Let's call him. No, 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 don't do it. Okay, okay. okay. All right, next question. Moving on from Jimmy Chin. Have you uh, ever had to to tell Renan to, like, calm down at all?
3: (laughs) (laughs) How many of you guys know Renan? Renan actually just left my house, like, an hour ago. All right, well, he's here. So, um, yes,
0: really? Yes. He's lost.
3: his. Shit. I'm going to take the high road here and I'm okay. going to give a serious answer. Okay, good. No, I can't. No. Okay. I will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I've had to tell him to calm down. <laughs> he, he really gets really low on sleep a lot. Like he works all the time. And sometimes you just gotta like, it's not calm down. It's more like Renan, go to sleep. Stop <laughs> killing yourself. Cause he, he defaults to his position of suffering. Like, he's just comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm serious. So he will literally, like, not sleep. Like, he can be at my... He slept in his van last night, and I have a three-bedroom, 2000s corporate apartment. And he slept outside in the van. That's just kind of how he rolls.
0: Yeah, no, he's hardcore. And, you know, we're talking about renowned Osterick, and the reason we are, and I'm sort of giving him a hard time, but uh, I think he is sort of one of the... You know top guys doing a climbing film right now in terms of artistic vision and what he's been able to capture and, and uh between jimmy and, and renan they they put out that la- great film about the sharks finn last year which is something everybody should look up but uh you know so we're just giving a hard time but i want to ask you you were up on the stage yesterday we had this symposium and you mentioned this idea of branding and uh it's kind of this weird esoteric idea that's like an industry thing. But what it means is that, you know, with these, the, all these videos that people do uh, that we love to watch, well, somebody had to pay for them. And with climbing videos and with the EnormaCast, with my sponsors and things like that, there's companies behind them. And, you know, I think climbers, more than a lot of sports people, are real touchy about when they feel like something's getting, you know, put in front of them to sell them something. They feel like you know rock and i should have no ads in it somehow you know or 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 whatever else and so you have always i think i've had a lot of respect for you of always being able to explain this like idea of you know not letting that go too far into your artistic vision and i think that's probably some sort of uh philosophy behind camp four i mean you guys are working for north face and yet you put out these videos that Make us you know we don 't sit there getting slammed in the face with brands or things like that, so can you talk a little bit about that philosophy you know of how you sort of walk that line a little bit because i 'm trying to walk it too with this podcast you know well, I mean, I'd love the, to just do it for free forever, but uh, at the same time, you know got to eat got to eat
3: well film i mean i 'm not a climber really at all, and i 've just always been obsessed with film so film is filmmaking's incredibly expensive so I kind of come into the outdoor world or into this universe and people are really concerned about brand presence and dollars and the kind of the world that I come from in my philosophy is that you have to have money, I have to have money to do what I want to do and um, I celebrate it. I'm absolutely fucking stoked that, and we would do tons of work for brands other than the North Face, but um, I love the North Face for p- paying for me to be able to do what I love. Um, I think it's amazing. and. I just, I don't, I don't feel, in fit. and I said that yesterday in the round table, like, everyone's sort of decrying and concerned about, you know, large corporations or even small corporations starting to control the distribution of content more, well, they always have, and I'm ecstatic about, I, I mean, the fact that someone pays you to do this, that's insane,
1: honestly.
3: <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. but. They give us money to do. I mean, if if there's a certain, you know, sometimes we have to check boxes for, GoPro, NRS. I mean, we're shooting for BF Goodrich right now. Sure. Um, and, you know, I could take the position that, oh God, this isn't the most personal, creative, artistic thing, and they're cramping my style, and they're, oh, they're making us do things we don't want to do, and it's not. That's all true. But we got the best job in the fucking world, man. Right. Um, I mean, we're hauling. cameras around on ropes shooting shit in the rain puking and it's awesome (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's great so my philosophy is really like I mean I said we're capitalists but I'm not totally joking like I'm make a reasonable living as doing what honestly I should not get paid for I was directing a commercial for Canadian Mountain Holidays last week this big heli (laughs) ski company and I literally was like but uh, multiple times is like, I cannot believe you guys are paying me to do this.
0: Yeah, well, I think more importantly, uh, as I said, I have some respect for you and, and you know, the guys that you work with because on our end of it, I mean, it's great that you're getting paid to do what you love, but on our end of it, we're getting uh, you know, this amazing stuff. And again, as a climber that's come up through this sport since you know, it was really, really underground, you know, I have that concern about I'm always, like, sniffing out the the sort of sales pitch. And now here I am in this game of, like, trying to get this paid for. So I'm sort of, like, you know, here sucking on the teat myself. So, you know, it's a concern that I have. So I was really interested to
3: hear you talk about that. I think, too, transparency is the key to me. Like, for me, I guess with my background, it's just obvious that it's being supported. And I'd rather, like... You know, there's product placement in all the pieces, and I'm stu- I'm fine with that. And I we just want to make it not. We, if you just own it, like yes, we are doing this piece for this brand. This brand supports this piece, and just are super transparent about it, and it's right out there. Then I think it's a lot easier for the to audience to digest because there's no agenda. You know, if it's tiptoed around, then I think you end up, you know, with that sort of level of insincerity or question like there's some sort of fucking conspiracy, right? But right. I think Arctrix, OR, a lot of a lot of climbing brands have really driven that too. And other aspects of the outdoor industry have really followed the climbing. I think climbing's had a great ethic with respect to the industry's support of of expeditions and artists and athletes. Maybe I'm being too positive, sorry.
0: No, not at all. Like I said, I the only you know one of the main reasons I brought you up here besides to bust Jimmy Chin's balls that is, is fun is um is that idea because again I'm I, here I am at this crossroads of like well what do I do with this thing now and I get a lot of uh, uh, listener support I get a lot of donations which has been great up to this point but you know um, in a lot of ways the legitimacy of the project grows when I get some of these companies on board and then that opens up more doors so yeah, sure. you know but you know it's like this is my little baby and I don't want to like give it away either and I don't want to change it in ways that make me uncomfortable for any reason you know like the 45 f-bombs we
3: just dropped in the last hour so well
4: I, I, I <laughs> Austin doesn't cuss much good for him yeah I'm <laughs> proud of him for that um, anyways <laughs> I think it's I, I think it should really interesting bring up the question of sponsorship in the, all this media and I think I think it's a little naive to think that you can that If people think that they can just expect to be able to see, you know, shorter, even longer adventure films online or in festivals without there being some sort of corporate or brand sponsorship behind it. I mean, at the end of the day, all making a film, as Anson said, costs a a lot of money or at least and or at least more money than I have lying around. You know, I could I can make, I can make a two-second film with the amount of money that I have in my bank account. <laughs> but, um, and I think at the end of the day, people actually really enjoy watching these videos or they're inspired by mm-hmm. them. And that if, if like, it, I think it's naive to think that you can just get that for free. And that someone at the end of the day has chosen to support the vision of the filmmaker or the artist. And or the podcaster. Or the podcaster. And that, like, they should be recognized for that. You know, like, they should be able to have their name on that piece. Um, Because they, you know, they don't have to be doing this. And they probably have some self-interest in it, you know, like, hoping that you'll, that you'll, you'll buy one of their jackets. But, you know, they're also not just making product videos. They're putting their money behind narrative pieces, behind films that have story and that are inspiring. And so... Yeah. yeah, it's a
3: little disingenuous, you know. We've all gotten so used to getting all this content for free, but most of what we do is available for free online, and, I and it's think- really
4: not even free. I mean, at the end of the day, like if you buy a jacket or a pair of pants, part of some part of the cost of that of that product goes and pays for the salaries of the people in the marketing department and the amount of money that they budget towards o- online and like film media. Right, like one tenth of one penny
3: of that jacket. Ended up in your pocket. Hey, but but if there's fifty thousand jackets, sure. I mean, we'll take it. I don't going to do the math on in my head, but that amounts to some sort of money. Don't do math. All
0: right. we're, we're gonna we're uh, we're about to run out of time here, and this has uh, been awesome. I appreciate you guys coming up. You're going to stick around. Um, and uh, Jonathan, would you go ahead and hand your microphone over to uh, Jeff Hollenbaugh? But Jeff, why don't you come up a little bit across the front because we can't have it in front of that speaker. Jeff Hollenbaugh, owner operator, Defiant Bean. I don't think the right. camp chair.
5: You're all concerned about these camp chairs that nobody's going to see on your podcast. Yeah. <laughs> all
0: right, so we, uh, uh, we're going to end the, the, the NormaCast podcast with a, a little um, homage. Can you explain what we're about to do, Mr. Hollenbaugh? And by the way, this is Jeff Hollenbaugh, Defiant Bean, my, uh, my uh, charter sponsor here at the NormaCast.
5: It's not the Dome, but I do think you sold it out. Yeah, it looks Steve's good. Guitars. Yeah. Sold out. Yes. <laughs> There's some cute chicks here. I never thought you'd get cute chicks to your show. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, as Charles Caleb Colton said, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And um, you know, basically, we rip everything off as we go through our lives. And uh, Chris turned me on to podcasts. One of, uh, like he said, WTF with Mark Marin is part of the format here. And one of the other great podcasts. Uh, Chris has turned me on to is a uh, uh, Yeah Dude shout out to our brothers Jonathan and Seth um, we're about to completely rip them off this is something they do on their show and uh, if they have issues with it they can call us out when we go see them on June 8th in Denver when they do
0: their live show so uh, Jonathan and, and uh, Seth bring it I prefer the word homage versus rip off you know
6: <laughs> you have that lawyer dude who's supporting you just in case <laughs>
0: yeah.
6: Exactly. So quite often in their live
5: shows, um, Seth will quiz Jonathan, and um, depending on where they are, they'll take different topics, but uh, Jonathan or Seth will pick out a name of a weed, strain of marijuana. Um, they've done racehorses in the past. They've done microbrews, and then he pulls something out of his ass, a.k.a. the mind's eye. And for Caloos here, he's about to play the role of Jonathan and be quizzed. Given the fact that um, I'm pretty sure there's probably a climb named after every strain of weed out there, and the fact that anything I pull out of my ass from my mind's eye probably has been named as a climb as well, we had to give this some sort of context. And so that context is the 1992 version of Randy Vogel's Joshua Tree Guidebook. We pulled names of climbs from this guidebook. I pulled uh, strains of weed off medicalmarijuanastrains.com. My mind's eye was very active.
0: Now, this is appropriate because, of course, we're in Colorado, one of the few states in the country where uh, smoking pot is legal now. And this is also significant because I don't smoke pot. So I'm one of the few climbers out there, I think, that that don't imbibe. So
6: Kelly smokes a ton of weed. (laughs) (laughs) I do not... (laughs) I, I was saying I'm like the other dude who right. doesn't well, smoke, but I make up for it with margaritas. The funny thing is is that
0: even when I say the word pot, I sound like an idiot. Like, I don't smoke pot. How like, did you you get, can tell just by the way I say stuff like how that. How did you get
3: five guys on your show that don't get high? I don't know. I don't I don't smoke. I don't either. Right. This, is J, perfect, then. JT, this is perfect. JT, the guy who's being edited oh, out already. Never mind. Never mind. JT set the code. Right.
0: Let's roll, because we're coming up on noon here, so let's finish up. I am ready, sir. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Oh, just the fact that this is your guidebook, and so you should be pretty—you should do well
5: with this. this yeah, this I haven't climbed with Josh
0: since, uh, geez, like 1996 or 97, so... Yeah, you were, you were climbing pretty well then. Yeah. yeah, did you see my little check marks on this? I think you're probably the only
5: person I know who would actually put a note next to a climb and downrate a Joshua Tree crack. <laughs> Thank you, you must you very have been much. pretty full yourself. You. Yeah,
1: yeah.
5: yeah. yeah. Um, we are ready. We'll start with an easy one. Okay. It's Mind's Eye. My Mind's Eye, a strain of weed, and a name of a climb that's in this book. Let's start with Buster Nut, Blockbuster, Blockhead.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to say Buster Nut is the root. Not even. <laughs> no. <laughs> I got to finish. Go
5: ahead, you've already lost. I mean, that's, that's the deal here. <laughs> that's why Jonathan gets so pissed.
1: Okay,
0: Buster Nut is the weed? No. Nah.
1: No! Nah. <laughs>
0: All right, Buster Nut's Mind's Eye. Blockhead's the Root. What's the other one? No. Ah! no.
5: Not even. Blockbuster's the Climb. Blockhead is the Weed. Buster Nut is my Mind's Eye. Um, we
2: should call it Canadian. <laughs>
5: Uh, One more tough one, and then uh, if I have to throw you a bone, I have a couple of those here. Um, Let's go with um, Bush Eviction, George
4: Bush, Bush Alert. (laughs) Is this like, wait, wait, don't tell me. Does someone get Carl Castle's voice on their answering
1: machine?
4: (laughs) You get get answered Fogel's voice on your Uh, machine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: uh, uh, What were they again? I I just lost it. Bush Eviction, George Bush. Bush alert. Okay, George Bush is the weed. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I would totally name a weed after George Bush. Um, weed, a weed. We'd it makes see, you see, dumb. It. Uh, <laughs> Bush alert is the root. Bush evictions, minds eye.
5: Nah. Ah. <laughs> getting closer though. You got one of the three. You that's got one. that's you're okay. getting there. You guys um, can, you know, chime in if you yeah, catch it. You're going to need help here. <laughs> A bunch of other sober (laughs) fellow (laughs) climbers, yeah. Um, Let's do one that you'll get a total kick out of. Um, Let's go with um, Free For All, Free Leonard, Free Bubba John. (laughs) (laughs) What was the last one? Free Bubba John. Ask the weed. Okay,
6: I'm going to go Free Bubba John's the weed. Ask a stoner. No. (laughs) You suck. Free Leonard has got to be the weed. No, that's a, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, free yeah. Three letters
0: a week, thank you. Um, the free for all is the root, and the other one's the mind's eye. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Three Bubba Johns the root. The free for all was my
3: mine. mind's eye. What the hell is the mind's eye thing? It's just shit that he's Stop made it, it makes yeah. up. Oh, I got it. <laughs> I'm I'm not very smart.
5: <laughs> okay, I'm th- I'm throwing you a bone. You know okay. no about Joshua Tree? This the, you should this should be easy. Always get the root. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Okay. Um, Dream Queen. Dream of white poodles
0: and psychedelic daydream. Okay, dream of white poodles is the root. Thank you. There's all the po- there's a whole bunch of poodle roots. Psychedelic has to be weed. Yeah, yeah, he's messing with this I'm I'm gonna go. You said you were throwing
3: your bone nose. Oh man. <laughs> On the root.
0: <laughs> On the root. I am gonna say the psychedelic is mine's eye, and the other one's weed. Bam. Got it.
1: Nice. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got
0: Yeah. One.
5: You want to stop while you're ahead or keep going? No, a couple more. A couple okay. more. Okay, um, I have another bone to you. Bad call, dude. Let's go with um, rock lock, rock your socks off, and rock dog, rock dog candy leg. What?
0: What was the last one?
5: <laughs> rock lock, rock your socks off, and rock dog candy leg.
0: I'm going to go rock your socks off as a weed.
4: No. That's the root.
0: Is that the root? That's my mind's eye. That's Ah! your mind's eye.
5: Okay, the rock leg dog is the root? Rock dog candy leg, yep. Okay. I feel like for your first time, this is like skill level nine. I know, these are tough. They're They're unforgiving. Completely unforgiving. Okay, one more, and then we'll call it. Okay, we'll uh, throw you a bone here, and instead of a weed, I'm going to substitute a local microbrew. So throwing you a bone. Uh Beetlemania, Beetle Corner, Beetle Kill.
0: I'm gonna go beetle kill being the beer. Nice. Okay, just because of the whole the whole Colorado dead tree thing. I'm gonna go corner being the root. And what was the other one? Beetlemania, my mine, eye eye. Beetlemania, yeah. all right. Nice. Yeah, woo. All right, thanks a lot for coming on, Jeff. Um, we're gonna wrap this thing up. And uh, just remember, as long as we're ripping them off, that the Oh Yeah Dudes are down. Oh Yeah Dude guys are down at where? The Oriental Theater in Denver on the June 8th. 8th. Gotta give them a shout out, because we just stole that from them. I want to thank everybody for coming on stage. JT, Sonny Trotter via JT, (laughs) Kelly Cordes, Austin Sidek, and my friend, Anson Fogel. Thanks a lot, you guys, and thanks everybody for coming. If you don't know what I've been doing here, if this was the first time you, you come in, remember, normalcast.com is the name of the website, and uh, we will be doing the raffle after the, uh, the event. If There's probably like six names in there, probably. Is there a
1: bunch? Okay, sounds good. All right, well, that's it
0: for the first ever live on Thanks to Steve Guitars, Steve on the board. Thanks for Five Points. Thanks for coming, you guys. Go climbing. Check your knot. Oh, and don't forget to check your knot.
3: <laughs> that was
1: awesome,
5: yeah, awesome. That was really
4: you've been in ballroom, sir yeah. you hold beer up this right you're insane Same,
1: but I'm not so Yeah, I think I've, I think I've